All right, good evening, everybody. Let's pray and we'll get started. Lord, we thank you for your word this morning or this evening. We pray that you'd uh, get us to that place um, where we can receive everything you have for us. This is such an important topic and, and understanding of your word. You write these things down because there was confusion and you don't want there to be any confusion. You don't want us to walk in ignorance. You want us to walk in knowledge and understanding. And so, God, we pray that your Holy Spirit would be our teacher and guide tonight. Um, and we pray that you would speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Tonight we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the second half. 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, starting in verse 12. That's where we left off, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. I did not get through the chapter as I usually do. And I don't think we'll get into 13 tonight, but we'll see what happens. Um, this is a very important topic of the gifts of the Spirit. Um, to understand and to fully comprehend and to kind of rest on. We, uh, we've gone over several things already in that first half of chapter 12, um, speaking about these things. These things, these gifts, are very controversial in the church, and I don't, know, I don't know why. I mean, I do know why. I'm not ignorant about it. I mean, I understand why it's controversial, but um, from God's perspective, how frustrating that must be. <laughs> As someone who wants to give somebody a gift, and they don't want it, you know? Um, and so I hope to clear that up so that we can have open arms for whatever he wants to give us, um, and hands ready to receive. As a, a loving father wants to hand us something, and let us use it, and be even better at the ministry with which he's called us to, the, the testimony that he wants us to have in this world emphasized by these gifts. And beside that, they're, they're meant to edify the body of Christ. They're meant to build us up. And who doesn't need that, you know? Um, the two typical stances on the gifts of the Spirit are, um, they don't exist for today, or the miraculous gifts aren't for today. They come in and they look through the gifts of the Spirit and the Scriptures, and they divide them up into miraculous gifts versus administrative gifts versus teaching gifts or speaking gifts. And they divide them up and say the miraculous ones were, were done with, but the others are still in operation. Of course, the ones that say that are the ones that are operating in the gift of teaching. Well, the teaching gifts are for, for today, because if they aren't, what a waste of time listening to them teach. So that gift for sure. But the miraculous gifts, the weird ones, we throw those out. Now, we don't have any reason to throw those out. They've just decided to throw them out. We have nothing in Scripture that tells us that they're done. Um, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's an artificial division that they make in the text. Um, it isn't in Scripture. And in fact, the opposite is taught. Um, and, and if you want to turn to Second uh, Acts chapter 2, I think it's important that we hit this verse. So that we're able to receive what's about to be taught. Because if we still think in our minds, I'm not so sure, well, it's, it's hard to receive. Just plainly what the text clearly says. And that's what we want to go by. We want to go by what the text says. We want to go by the divisions God makes in his word. We want to hear what he's teaching us. We don't need to make this stuff up. When, when they're in the upper room in the book of Acts, and the Holy Spirit falls upon the 120 folks that are praying and in one accord, seeking the Lord, you know, and that's probably our key there. They're just seeking the Lord. They're not expecting anything other than God's direction and, and power. They just know that they're supposed to wait there because that's what he told them to do. So they're doing it and they're being obedient to that, to that end. 
And when they're waiting there, the Holy Spirit comes upon them. Nothing they've enacted. They haven't pulled God down. They haven't brought him in. He just shows up and rests upon them. So they all begin to speak the glories of God in other languages. And they walk out of this other room, out of the upper room, obviously can't be contained. They walk out of this upper room. They begin to praise the glories of God and proclaim them in these other languages. And the, and the people hearing that are amazed. And they're stunned and they can realize, God, something magical is happening here. Something amazing is taking place. I use that word magical. I don't mean it like the occult. I mean... It's supernatural. This isn't of this world. This is something that isn't made up or manufactured or forced. What is this? And it's a good question to ask. And so Peter's trying to say, men of Judea, he says in chapter 2, verse 14, and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you. Take heed to my words, for these are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day, but this is what, the, what was spoken by the prophet Joel. This was always supposed to happen, always a part of God's plan. This is nothing new. And so he begins to describe why it's happening. We're just proclaiming the glories of God from whom we received this Jesus Christ, whom you crucified, and so on. Um, he says... Um, in verse 38, let's jump down there. I don't, I don't want to teach the whole chapter, although you could. Jump to 38. They ask him, what are we supposed to do? What are, if this is the Christ that we crucified, and we can obviously the miraculous power resting upon your life, and we know that the words that you're teaching then are absolutely true because they come from God because we've seen the signs and the wonders taking place, which isn't the only reason we have signs and wonders, and we'll get into that. But it does help. What are we supposed to do? So Peter says to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Okay, now please hold on to this thought. He isn't done talking. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promise, this gift of the Holy Spirit is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off as many as the Lord our God will call. Now, I don't know how many other verses we need to prove that this is still for today. That would have been a great time to say, and it's going to be for a hundred years, and after the apostles are dead, they all go away, so get them while they're hot. No, it's not only to you. This promise is for your children. And not only is it for your children, but for everybody, all the way to 2022, Calvary Chapel, Maryville. This promise is for us. He tries to encourage us and them with these texts. And so the Corinthian church is moving in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, but they're not operating these gifts in love. They're not doing it to build up the body of Christ. In fact, it's dividing their church up. Because some are saying that some gifts are better than others, more important than others, have more honor than others. And there's a pecking order now in the church. Well, you just be quiet, Mr. Helps or Mr whatever the low on the totem pole gift is that you have. They probably had, you know, they're probably color-coded at their church. You know, red's number one, you're a yellow, you know. You know, if you've ever been in that position where they put you in a group based off of color, trying not to say one, two, and three, I was in reading group three. 
Everybody knows what reading group three is. It's short for remedial. It's short for, well, you know, not very smart, obviously. There were two types of math in my grade school, fourth grade. And there was this girl that I liked, you know, it wasn't Jenny. The fourth grade girl, that was the love of my life right there, fourth grade. I knew it. Oh, Kim. Kimberly. It just rolled off my lips. Well, Kimberly was in math one. I was in math two. So when we take our test, she would do math one question first, then math two question second, right? So I would pretend to write when she'd do question one so that Kimberly thought I was in math one. And then when math two question, I'd look around like I could care less and I tried to write the answer without anybody knowing because Kimberly was watching, you know. And I, funny thing is, she was watching. I didn't think she, you know, after a while, I was like, oh, this is stupid. I mean, she doesn't even care. And then one time, one day, I forgot to do the trick and I just started writing my answers down. And she came up to me after the, are you in math too? I was devastated, you know. <laughs> she had found out my secret. That's funny in fourth grade, and it's funny when we talk about math. Can you imagine going to church where there's second-class Christians, third-class Christians? It's sad. So Paul's trying to have them straighten up and fly right. He's trying to get them coordinated. That's a word we'll use a lot tonight. He's trying to coordinate them. So they're a coordinated body. They're functioning. They're healthy. They're vibrant. They're humble. That's the key. The first Corinthian church or the Corinthians needed a dose of humility. So in verse 12, he uses this analogy, the body, to try to get across a teaching. This is object lesson teaching for adults. Okay, it's like uh, a body, you know, just to get the point across because they weren't getting it. For as the body is one and has many members... But all the members of that one body, being many, are one body. So also is Christ. You've got different parts of your body. Yeah, you know, they could all get that. Well, that's the body of Christ, the church. They all have different parts. They have different roles, responsibilities, abilities, giftings, you know. And so he's going to try to play this out so they can understand that. Can you do without one or more parts of your body. Well, that's a disgusting thought. I would hate to miss out on a part of my body. I try to keep them all my whole life, you know? I get a little worried about my teeth sometimes, you know? I want them all. But I'm looking at my family, and I'm looking at my dad, I'm looking at older people, and I'm like, it's probably not going to happen. I'm probably going to start losing some teeth here. But I don't want to, so I brush, and I take care of them, and I give them a lot of attention, you know? Try to make sure... Well, Paul's trying to get them to think that way about all the parts of the body and to do those things. For by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. That's the great equalizer. Get rid of all of those divisions in the church right off the bat. I mean, with one verse, Paul wipes out the Corinthian church's thoughts on, yeah, but you're a slave Christian. I'm a slave-owning Christian. No, no, no. Christian. He wipes it all out. Well, I'm a Jewish Christian, so that's like extra Christian. 
No, Greeks are just as Christian as you. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. We get that. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? So he starts off with the first group that he's got to deal with. There's two groups. There's the, the whiners. I'll call them the whiners. You know, I don't have a good gift. I've just got, I'm a foot, you know. I'm not an eye. I'm not a mouth. I'm not public. I mean, I'm stuck in a shoe all day long. You know, I'm just not valuable to the body of Christ. I wish I was something other than what God's made me to be. And that is the point. Remember who gave out these gifts. This is a work of the Holy Spirit. I don't get to say what I am. I don't get to make myself. Did you make yourself? We're told in scriptures, of course not. You were made. And for me to fuss... Wine is probably a strong word. That's probably offensive. And, but if we're to complain about what God has made us out to be and the giftings that he's given us, then we're actually complaining against God. And that's something you need to bring up with God. I hate the way you made me. You know, my eyebrows are too thick. My eyes are too close together. I don't know how many jokes go around our house. Dad, can you see us? Your eyes are so small. You know, they make fun of my eye size. And so, well, I've got the wallet. That's all that matters. I've got the wallet. So these little eyes just can't seem to find your allowance this week, you know? It's all in fun. It's all in jest. They have good senses of humor. But after a while, there's a little truth in their humor, and it's a little offensive sometimes, you know? Nobody's perfectly happy with their faces, right? I mean, everybody looks in the mirror and says, I don't know, you know, something. They're too big. That's too small. Whatever it is, it's not right. They don't like it, but we've been made. Have you ever seen somebody that's, and I don't mean to offend anybody that's had this done, but maybe had something done? Sometimes it's like too done. You know, you look at them and like, that's just, it's wrong. It doesn't fit. You were better off with the bigger nose. I'm telling you, this rhinoplasty that you had, it's way too small now. I can't even see it. You know, it's too tiny. Can you get it reversed kind of thing? It looks off. It's awkward. You can't have lips, you know? I don't think we do that so much in the Midwest, and that's okay. I understand. Maybe a little touch here and a tuck there. I don't know. I'm not judging you for doing that. But sometimes you can go overboard, and this little puffing lip thing that they do, it's like, ooh. <laughs> it's like a couple of my pillows strapped to your face there. It's like, I don't know. <laughs> I know you think it looks pretty, but it, it's too much. It's too far. You know, you've gone too much. And I'm not saying, I make fun of it, but I mean, you know, I could use some bicep implants at my age, you know. <laughs> it was a lot easier than working. The gym or six weeks rest while it recovers, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I could do that. We can't complain and we're not supposed to because that's the way God made us. Your face is beautiful in its own way. I know there's like really pretty people out there, really handsome guys out there. We were at A&G's the other day. It's so funny. We were at A&G's and this waiter comes up and I'm just like, a guy, just so you know, I'm not, Jenny's with me. I'm looking at me. That's the most beautiful man I've ever seen in my entire life. And I'm not afraid to say it, you know? I had a bromance instantly. I love this guy. I'm a ridiculously good looking guy. And... 
my wife's like, oh, and every single one of the guys at the table I'd showed up late had said the exact same thing about this guy. There's just some people out there. It's just like, no, I get it, you know. Honey, I completely understand. Probably should have said that. I told, I told Aaron before I got up here, I'm highly caffeinated on my way. I had a lot to do before I got here, and so I, I got some juice. So, so there, there, are some, there are some people, I understand that. But when it, it's not until you start messing around with your own face and changing things and doing surgeries that you realize, I should have never gone down this road. It was far better the way it was. The way I was made was really nice and really good and looked just right. I mean, it wasn't what I, you know, what I see in other people, but I was made this way for a purpose. With the gifts of the Holy Spirit, we need to receive what God has for us and run with it. Don't hide it. Don't resent that you have that gift, but use it. You know, and, it, and here's the second part. It doesn't have to be organized. You know, everybody wants to organize the gifts. No, just, just do it. If you wait for organization, oh my goodness, you know, that's like waiting for Congress. It's like, no, just go do it. Just go do your thing. I, nobody's going to understand it. Nobody really under, and the, 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 the beauty of the, and I know diversity has been turned into a bad word, but it's not. I love a diverse church, you know? Uh, it's beautiful. It's the way my body is. My body's diverse. Our bodies are different from one another. They're all diverse. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are diverse on purpose so that we have a healthy functioning body. And Paul's going to explain that. So those of you who say, I wish I wasn't a foot. I wish I was a hand. I don't feel like I'm a part of the body. Aren't you still a part of the body? Of course you are. You know? I go to church and no one's like me. No one's like me. Yeah. I mean, what would happen if we were all drones, you know, and all said hi the same way and all talked the same way and everybody had bubbly personalities or everybody was quiet and, 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 and well, quiet, you know, not like me, you know, kind of thing. That's boring and that's not what we want. I just I wish I was more outgoing. Well, you're not. You're not. That's okay. You know? Um, you're the person that someone will sneak up to and probably tell a whole lot more than me because they can see my mouth flapping. They're like, I'm not telling him nothing, you know, kind of thing. It's all a part. It's, a, it's, it's meant to be that way. So don't, don't complain. If you're going to complain, don't complain about the body of Christ or the church that you're attending that you're not like everybody else or you feel excluded. No, you're just different. We all are. We're all different. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? Or where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. And if, if they were all one member, where would the body be? I mean, how weird is that when you have a giant eye, you know? You turn into a monster, the church turns into a monster when there's just one gift and everybody's got the gift and that's the gift, you know, kind of thing. Oh, man. That's a deformity. It's, it's, it's uh, grotesque to look at, you know. We notice that. Um, it's hard not to. 
uh, vets go through this when they come back from war and an amputation's taken place. Could be a foot, could be a hand, a whole leg. Could be two legs. It could be a lot of things. Could be something that happened in the face, you know, burns, caught in a tank or something like that. A lot of horrific things happen during war. And you survive, but in a way different way than you thought you'd come home, you know. Um, and your kids, when, they, when they're walking in Walmart or they're walking at Target or they're walking wherever and they see somebody like that, it's, they can't help it. They don't have the, um, the etiquette that we have to know not to draw attention or not to focus or stare. They just look and say, he doesn't have any legs, stating the obvious, you know. And we go, shh. And hopefully the person without any legs is like, no, you want to see? Kind of weird, isn't it? Just kind of kick them, you know, kind of thing. You, you need to get a, a humor going about that and understand that it's normal and it's, it's, a, a, it's an appropriate reaction for little kids to say, do you have any legs? You're right. I don't. You see what my arms can do. Watch, I can do a handstand forever, you know, kind of thing. But it is something that gets noticed. The body of Christ is meant to be a functioning Fully formed body. God's designed it that way. He wants it that way. He wants us to be functioning and and coordinated. There are some diseases that people can get where their bodies aren't coordinated, you know? It's a frustrating disease for them. I can say this and talk about this because I know of them. I have personal relationships with some people that are like that, depending on the disease. Not all of them have the same disease, but it's a neurological disease where the nerves are not responding like they're supposed to. They can't make their legs do or walk or function or coordinate. They couldn't run if, the, if their life depended upon it. They can hobble. They can hop, skip, and, and fall, but they can't make their body do it. It's not their fault. It's their body is not paying attention to the head. It's not doing what the nerves are telling them to do. Or if it is, there's a cross between the nerves, and it's telling the hand to do it instead of the leg to do it, and it's... it's, it's uncoordinated. And that's what the body of Christ looks like when, not attention, when we're not paying attention to the Holy Spirit. I, I quit telling us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We've got to be a coordinated body. And it's only by the Holy Spirit that we know what to do, when to do it. And we're not listening to the Holy Spirit. When we're the hand, it's a, it's a ridiculous thing to see the hand doing what it wants to do of its own mind. It's, it's, it's abnormal. It's bizarre. The rest of the body doesn't even see it coming, doesn't know what's happening. I had a funny joke I was going to do here. I decided not to do it because I'm already wondering. I have a little bit of glass, you know, a little bit of water. And I, you know, the body, your hand is doing what it wants to do. When the mouth not ready for it. And, the, and nobody, you want me to do it, don't you? you know? It's like I have a drinking problem kind of thing. I, I wasn't ready for any of that, you know? Well, that's the hand doing what it feels like doing. It's not, it's not paying attention or the wrong timing of things. Object lesson. You'll never forget that. God wants our body not only Calvary Chapel, but the body worldwide to be coordinated. I would say there's levels of this. I, I, wouldn't, I won't write a book on it, you know, um, but you can probably see it in your own family. You can kind of see there are certain roles and responsibilities that certain pick up. First child's different from second child. Second child's different from third child. Third child doesn't do anything. They just sit around with the first, you know, you know how it is. But they've learned, you know, it's just they're just different Firstborns are made different. You can see that in a family. You can see that in a church. 
A small church like this might be missing a few of the gifts, might not have everything, but it's probably there, just hasn't been learned or hasn't learned, they haven't learned to exercise their gift yet, and it's coming. You know, as soon as they realize they have a gift and that they're supposed to operate in it, you know, um, it comes. And so you see different people. We'd like to see that, you know, the freedom for them to just do whatever it is the Lord's leading them to do. We need the whole functioning, fully formed body. But then what I was getting at was the church worldwide. Some churches have a teaching emphasis. Calvary Chapel's always been a teaching emphasis, not a denomination, because we're not all connected. We're all individual. We have our own boards and our own bylaws and everything like that. We don't answer to mother church anyplace. Um, but we are in fellowship with one another. And so there's always been a teaching, expository teaching. We believe the Word of God should be the center of the Christian faith. That's the most important. We think the gifts are important. We do. But we don't think they're everything, and we don't seek them out. We try to keep that center, that the, that the Bible is the center, and the gifts aren't the center, but they complement, you know. Um, same with worship. We love worship, but we don't want it to be the center of our church or what our church is known for. We want it to be the teaching of the Word of God because it's the Word of God that changes people. Worship doesn't change people. Gifts don't change people. It's the Word of God that changes people. So there's our emphasis on why we do what we do, why we spend 20, 30 minutes in song, we have our afterglows. We have our times of waiting on the Lord. We operate in all the gifts of the Spirit, we hope. But we focus on the teaching. But there are other churches that have more of an emphasis on missions, maybe. You know? And it's like that church just seems to go everywhere and do it. Yeah. Other churches are focused on ev- you know, evangelism. You know? And they're street witnessing all the time. And it's not that we, we can't do those things. Go do it, by all means. Go to other countries you know, and, and, and serve and minister and do those things. But I think as a church worldwide, we can kind of see that um, some fellowships have more of an emphasis on other things. Right or wrong. Right or wrong. Um, you know, and God can do whatever he wants to do as long as we're open to it. Paul, Paul's saying is, don't complain about the gift you've been given. Don't wish you weren't an ear. Be the ear. Hear really well. It's a gift. It's not a talent. It's not a, and that's, we have to be careful about that. Um, some people are naturally, we'd say, gifted in certain areas. Like, boy, they can play the guitar like no other, you know. Fine, but if they're not filled with the Holy Spirit and they don't want to bring glory to God with that gift or that talent or that ability, then they're worthless in the body of Christ. If they can't be submitted it's very important. If you can't be submitted, my hands and my feet are doing so many things right now that I'm not even aware of because my brain is telling them to do that. I am bending my knees for some reason. I'm rocking back and forth and I haven't fallen over yet, but my body is compensating and doing all this all the time. You ever miss a step? It's this far. I mean, what's the big deal? But it feels like you fell off a 10-story building when you hit. It's like, boom, oh, because your body was not prepared for any of it. You missed that step, and it kills you almost. But if you knew you were going to miss that step and you purposely jumped, your body can compensate, can do everything it's supposed to do. You don't have to think about it. The body of Christ, it's an amazing thing when it's functioning and submitted to the head, when it's submitted to the Holy Spirit. When it's submitted to one another, you know, and they're not fighting each other. Very important. Verse 20. But now, now he's moved on to the second group. The group that's prideful, the group that thinks their gift is the only gift and everybody else is worthless and, and meaningless. But now indeed, there are many members yet in one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. 
nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Nor much rather, those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor. And our unpresentable parts have greater modesty. But our presentable parts, they have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to the part which lacks it, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. There's a lot of things all my body parts can't do, but my hand, it's very useful to take care of all these parts. Just now I rubbed my eye. Oh, thank goodness. Can you imagine the eye being itchy and not having the hand to do it? You know, how frustrating that would be and so on. Getting dressed in the morning, I, my, my unpresentable parts are very glad we have hands, you know, so we can go out and be appropriate and modest, you know. These are very important. All the parts of the body are, are essential. The big toe, it's our balance. Your other toes can compensate eventually, but boy, it's a trick. I used to fit diabetic shoes for people, and some people have lost, you know, appendages down there, parts of their foot and different. And boy, it's a trick to figure out how to walk without that big toe. You didn't realize how needed it was, you know. I've been not studying, but I've been reading some articles on different things about vestigial organs, we call them, vestigial organs, things that are left over from evolution that just haven't quite. And we're finding out they're not so vestigial anymore, you know. We take them out, we realize we got a whole bunch of problems now that that's gone, I guess it was doing something, you know. I just take the gallbladder out. Well, yeah, there's a point. There's a purpose for it, you know. That pancreas. Who needs a pancreas? Oh, you need a pancreas. Not that anybody said, you know. A, 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 appendix. Everybody just have those taken out right away. No, they, they do something. I mean, they get infected. Yeah, they cause problems like any other part. But we can't just say we don't need those anymore. We do need those things. Um, Every part of our body is essential. Every part of the body, of every gifting that God gives us is essential. Because that, remember, that's what he's focused on. He's not saying personalities. I mean, you could make it into that kind of teaching if you want to. He's not talking about um, types of people, atypical, you know, you know, type A people, type B, you know, alpha males, beta males, all those things. You could go down that road. and de- That's not what he's talking about. Specifically, the Word of God is talking about gifts, just the gifts. And the gifts of the Spirit are essential for a strong, healthy body. All of them are needed. To come in and say that some of these gifts are vestigial is wrong. It's unbiblical. It's dangerous. It causes problems in the body of Christ. Well, we didn't think we needed the miraculous gifts anymore. Well, we talked ourselves out of them. In fact, we haven't seen them in operation very much. And when we have seen them in operation, oh boy, you know, have they been crazy wackos. You can see that anytime you want to. Crazy wackos using the gifts of the Spirit inappropriately, abusing them. And you look at it and the world looks at it and Christians says, that's weird. And it is because it's not of God. It's of them. They're producing it. They're manufacturing it on their own. One of the fruit, one of the attributes of love, the fruit of the Holy Spirit in Galatians 5.22 is self-control. The very fact that these people are out of control under the power of the Holy Spirit tells me it's not of the Spirit of God. It can't be. Because then you don't have that gift then. You don't have the gift that matches up with that. You don't have the, the fruit of, of control of yourself 
um, and you see these things taking place, this, it doesn't line up biblically. That's why the center, we believe, should be the Word of God, because that's what tells us. That's how we know. <laughs> why is it important to know? Why do we always have to label? Why can't we just let God do what he wants to do and let the Holy Spirit move the way he wants to and let God sort it out later? Because that's what the Antichrist is hoping for. The Antichrist is going to come and do lying signs of wonders. And if you're not careful and you don't have the word of God being your ground, I mean, we won't be here, but suppose we stop teaching and we think the gifts of the Spirit are all that matters and the miracles and the signs and wonders, otherwise what a waste of time, which is some churches teach that. And we do that and we move into that direction and we're not teaching the word of God anymore. We're not, we're not, we just want to see the miracles of God. We are preparing an entire generation, an entire world to receive wholeheartedly the Antichrist. Because when he does lying signs and wonders, they'll say, well, this must be God. This must, he's going to disguise himself as an angel of light. You will not be able to tell who he is. He will have lying signs and wonders. The only way we know is by the word of God. God does not go beyond what is written. No matter what you think, no matter what you've been taught, the Bible says, do not go beyond what's written. When you do go beyond what's written, you are on your own. That goes both ways. That goes with saying, uh, I don't think the miraculous gifts are for today. That seems like a really conservative view, a very biblical view, a very solid view. It's hard to fight that. The Bible doesn't say so. That's a dangerous ideology. Or you can say, I think God wants to do all sorts of new things out there. He's doing grand things, gold fillings, you know. Gold dust falling from the ceiling and filling people's teeth with gold fillings kind of thing. No, no, that's dangerous too because it's not the word of God. The word of God grounds us, keeps us from saying this isn't for today and keeps us from saying all things are for today, all these new things. No, he doesn't go beyond what's written. The volume of the book is written of him, Jesus Christ. It's total, it's complete, it's perfect, it lacks nothing. It's our guide, it's wonderful. It's, it's, it's miraculous in and of itself. It's alive. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. This is not a history book, although it is. It's not just a history book. It changes lives. I read stuff, and I'm, I'm blessed. I'm just, I'm touched by it, you know? Not like poetry touches me, you know? Roses are red. Oh, that was beautiful. Not that kind of touch. No, like, like soul-changing touch. Like, oh my goodness, is that... How do, I've taught that. Why does that mean more to me now? How do I understand that more? I've taught that three times. And when I read that, it like jumped off the page and grabbed a hold of me and said, are you getting this? And I got it better than I ever have before. There's so much here. It needs to be the center. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are meant not only to prove that God's word was taught, as I said earlier, that's one of the things that would happen out of the out of the upper room, book of Acts chapter 2, they come out speaking the glories of God. Then 3,000 people got saved at the message of Peter. Ah, so, and he says, signs and wonders will follow the teaching of the word of God. Jesus said, okay, okay. But he also says that the gifts of the spirit are meant for the edifying of the body of Christ to build us up. These are already saved people. It's meant for that. It's meant to build us up. It's useful, just like the body of Christ. The gifts are for today, for our body to take care of itself and to build each other up. I know I'm saying the same thing over and over again, but I, it's, it's, it has to be understood. So, there are no unpresentable or lesser gifts. There are no greater gifts. 
If you want to go down that road, he's going to name the gifts and number them. But he's not saying they're necessarily the best or the worst or whatever. He's just saying this is how they go down. Verse 27. Oh, I guess I skipped verse 26. And if, some, if the same care for one another, and if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Should anyway. Should. Verse 27. Now, you are the body of Christ. That's the point, he says. You're the body. And members individually of this body. And God has appointed these in the church. God has appointed these. Men don't appoint these. We can't, we can't earn them. They are, they are levels. I deserve this. My promotion should be coming. That's not how it works in the body of Christ. God calls and he appoints. First apostles. Second prophets. Third teachers. After that, miracles. Then gifts of healings. Helps. Administrations, varieties of tongues. I don't think we, okay, so there's the pecking order. You know, the third remedial reading group is tongues, I guess, you know. No. They were excited about tongues, so much so that they elevated that above everything else. And Paul says, no, it's kind of last on the list. He's not saying it's last on the list, but he's telling the prideful people with tongues, you know what, that's last on the list, knocking them down a peg or two. He's trying to teach him something. You mean administrations is above tongues? You know, helps. Changing a toilet paper roll? Mm-hmm. That's above tongues. Oh. Are all apostles? These are rhetorical questions. Are all apostles? The answer is, join me in this. No. Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? Do all have gifts of healings? Do all speak with tongues? I want to make sure we spent time on that one. Do all interpret, but earnestly desire the best gifts, and yet I show you a more excellent way. Paul's so clear. The Word of God is so simple. Makes it so easy for us to understand. We don't all have the gifts. Nobody has all of them, and everybody's got one of them. At least you do. And, and we don't have to fill out a form. There's forms online you can fill out, you know, like a seven-page survey on what your gift is. And I'm not saying they're wrong or bad. I just, I, I want my confirmation, first of all, to come from the Lord. I want to know in my heart. And, and I, want, I want confirmation to come from other people who recognize it without me prodding them. Boy, did you see how well I, you know, I did that. I'm pretty, I'm pretty an organized person, aren't I? Yes, you're very organized. Super organized, I might add. You're super organized. I think you have the gift of organization. Thank you very much. You know, I don't want that. Nobody wants that. Just do what you do as you're led by the Holy Spirit. And it'll come. The confirmation will come. It comes easy to me. I don't know why that is. Now keep that in your head. And keep that in your heart. This just seems to happen. I don't know why this is, but it just seems to work out this way. Some of you may not know your evangelists, except every time I go out, there's always this person who needs the Lord, and I end up telling them, and I don't even think I do a very good job, and they receive Christ as their Lord and Savior. That's a gift. Peter? Peter? The guy that sticks his foot in his mouth anytime he was asked a question prior to Acts chapter 2? Jesus, no one's going to kill you. Oh, you know, oops. 
I'd never let any harm come to you. I'll never deny you, you know, oops, oops, oops. He walks out of the upper room and says, you know what? Y'all killed Jesus. You need to repent. Okay. 3,000 people raised their hand. That's not a very good sermon. That's a gift of the Holy Spirit. Have you ever listened to Greg Glory? I like him. I like him. You know that? I, I, I said that last Sunday. Nobody came to know the Lord last Sunday, you know? He says it, you know, to stampede to the altar. Fine. You know, I'm not resenting that I'm not a hand. I'm just saying I'm definitely not a hand. Confirmation, you know. God has made you into who you are. He wants to do an amazing thing with you. He just wants you to let him. And, and just recognize it. The, what I notice in my life, and now this is where we close, the supernatural just seemed to come naturally in your life. This supernatural gift will just naturally be there. I don't know why it is. You know, How come other people don't see this? And be careful that you don't fall into any of these categories. How come I can see all these things and recognize, you know, what are you, a bunch of blind people? No, you're the eye. The toe didn't see it coming. You're the eye. Now, don't be boastful about it. Just tell, tell everybody, look out. We're going to miss a step. So they can all coordinate and do what they're supposed to do, you know. And likewise, if you discover that you have a gift that you had hoped for but didn't get, and you got something that you think is secondary or second class, don't complain about it. Earnestly desire the best gift. That's fine. But let Dad, our Father in Heaven, give you what he's given you. It's perfect. It's exactly what the body needs. And without you, we don't function. We're not coordinated. Do it. Now he moves on. He finishes with, I want to show you a more excellent way. And he moves into chapter 13, which is the love chapter, which we use for weddings. But isn't it funny? Now that we've gone through chapter 12, pretty in in depth, how 13 is going to have a whole lot more meaning. Because he moves from the gifts of the Holy Spirit and this beautiful church and the Corinthian church and how they're sort of functioning in the gifts but not coordinated and they're not doing it in love. Now we're going to talk about chapter 13 next week, which talks about love. And that is the most important aspect of using these gifts. You've got to use them with love for each other, for God. And it's beautiful. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word this, this evening. Thank you for this time we've had. It's refreshing. Your word's refreshing. Your gifts are refreshing. The work of your Holy Spirit in our lives is refreshing. And tonight, we just want to pray, God, we earnestly desire the best gifts in our lives. We don't know what they are. We've got some hints. We'll give you suggestions maybe, but you give us what's best. What is needed in the body of Christ? What's needed for my brothers and sisters? How can I edify those around me? That's the gift I want. Not to exalt myself, to lift myself up, to be prideful, but to help, to be a blessing to feed and care for those around me who are brothers and sisters. What is that gift, Lord? Would you show it to me? I want confirmation from you and none other from your word and none other. And, 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 and we're thankful for it already. Lord, would you bless this church with your presence, with your Holy Spirit? We want to be coordinated, paying attention to you and moving as you lead us to so that we're a functioning, healthy body. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you need prayer before you go tonight, come on up. I'm glad to pray with you. Otherwise, have a good rest of the week.